The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1. Book 7, The Insurrection of Women, Chapter 2, O Richard, O My King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 7, Chapter 2, O Richard, O My King. For alas, neither is the town hall itself without misgivings. The nether sans-colotic world has been suppressed hitherto, but then the upper court world, symptoms there are that the oid de birth is rallying. More than once in the town hall Sanhedrin, often enough from those outspoken baker's cues, has the wish uttered itself, Oh, that our restorer of French liberty were here, that he could see with his own eyes, not with the false eyes of queens and cabals, and his really good heart be enlightened. For falsehood still environs him, intriguing dukes de Guiche with bodyguards, scouts of Bouillet, a new flight of intriguers, now that the old is flown. What else means this advent of the regiment de Flandre, entering Versailles as we hear on the 23rd of September with two pieces of cannon? Did not the Versailles National Guard do duty at the chateau? Had they not Swiss? Hundred Swiss, guard du corps, bodyguards, so called. Nay, it would seem the number of bodyguards on duty has, by a manoeuvre, been doubled. The new relieving battalion of them arrived at its time, but the old relieved one does not depart. Actually, there runs a whisper through the best-informed upper circles, or a nod still more portentous than whispering, of His Majesty's flying to Metz, of a bond to stand by him therein, which has been signed by noblesse and clergy to the incredible amount of thirty or even of sixty thousand. Lafayette coldly whispers it and coldly asseverates it to Count d'Estaing at the dinner-table, and d'Estaing, one of the bravest men, quakes to the core lest some lackey overhear it and tumbles thoughtful without sleep all night. Her regiment Flandre, as we said, is clearly arrived. His Majesty, they say, hesitates about sanctioning the 4th of August, makes observations of chilling tenor on the very rights of man. Likewise, may not all persons, the bakers' queues themselves, discern on the streets of Paris the most astonishing number of officers on furlough, crosses of St. Louis and such like? Some reckon from a thousand to twelve hundred. Officers of all uniforms, nay, one uniform never before seen by eye, green faced with red. The tricolour cockade is not always visible, but what in the name of heaven may these black cockades which somewhere foreshadow? Hunger wets everything, especially suspicion and indignation. Realities themselves in this Paris have grown unreal, preternatural. Phantasms once more stalk through the brain of hungry France. O oh, ye laggards and dastards, cry shrill voices from the queues, if ye had the hearts of men ye would take your pikes and second-hand firelocks and look into it, not leave your wives and daughters to be starved, murdered and worse. Peace, women, the heart of man is busy and heavy. Patriotism driven out by patrolatism knows not what to resolve on. The truth is, the oie de boeuf has rallied, to a certain, unknown extent. A changed oie de boeuf, with Versailles National Guards in their tricolour cockades doing duty there, a court all flaring with tricolour. Yet, even to a tricolour court, men will rally. Ye loyal hearts, burnt-out seigneurs, rally round your queen, with wishes which will produce hopes, which will produce attempts. 
for indeed self-preservation being such a law of nature, what can a rallied court do but attempt an endeavour, or call it plot, with such wisdom and unwisdom as it has? They will fly, escorted to Metz, where brave Bouillet commands. They will raise the royal standard. The bond signatures shall become armed men. Were not the king so languid, their bond, if at all signed, must be signed without his privity. Unhappy king, he has but one resolution, not to have a civil war. For the rest he still hunts, having ceased lock-making, he still dozes and digests, is clay in the hands of the potter. Ill will it fare with him in a world where all is helping itself, where, as has been written, whosoever is not hammer must be stithy, and the very hiss upon the wall grows there in that chink because the whole universe could not prevent its growing. But as for the coming up of this regiment to Flandre, may it not be urged that there were Saint-Durge petitions and continual meal mobs? Undebauched soldiers, be their plot, or any dim elements of a plot, are always good. Did not the Versailles municipality, an old monarchic one not yet refounded into a democratic, instantly second the proposal? Nay, the very Versailles National Guard, wearied with continual duty at the chateau, did not object. Only Draper Lacointre, who is now Major Lacointre, shook his head. Yes, friends, surely it was natural this regiment de Flandre should be sent for since it could be got. It was natural that, at sight of military bandoliers, the heart of the rallied Oeil de Bouffe should revive, and maids of honour and gentlemen of honour speak comfortable words to epauletted defenders and to one another. Natural also, and mere common civility, that the bodyguards, a regiment of gentlemen, should invite their Flandre brethren to a dinner of welcome. Such invitation, in the last days of September, is given and accepted. Dinners are defined as the ultimate act of communion. Men that can have communion in nothing else can sympathetically eat together, can still rise into some glow of brotherhood over food and wine. The dinner is fixed on for Thursday the 1st of October, and ought to have a fine effect. Further, as such dinner may be rather extensive, and even the non-commissioned and the common man be introduced to see and to hear, could not His Majesty's opera apartment, which has lain quite silent ever since Kaiser Joseph was here, be obtained for the purpose? The hall of the opera is granted. The Salon d'Hercule shall be drawing-room. Not only the officers of Flandre, but of the Swiss, of the hundred Swiss, nay, of the Versailles National Guard, such of them as have any loyalty, shall feast. It will be a repast like few. And now, suppose this repast, the solid part of it, transacted and the first bottle over. Suppose the customary loyal toasts drunk, the king's health, the queen's with deafening vivats, that of the nation omitted or even rejected. Suppose champagne flowing, with pot-valorous speeches, with instrumental music, empty feathered heads growing ever the noisier, in their own emptiness, in each other's noise. Her Majesty, who looks unusually sad tonight, His Majesty sitting dulled with the day's hunting, is told that the sight of it would cheer her. Behold, she enters there, issuing from her state-rooms, like the moon from the clouds, this fairest unhappy queen of hearts royal husband by her side, young Dauphin in her arms. She descends from the boxes, amid splendours and acclaim, walks queen-like round the tables, gracefully escorted, gracefully nodding, her looks full of sorrow, yet of gratitude and daring, with the hope of France on her mother-bosom. 
And now the band striking up, Oh Richard, oh mon roi, l'univers t'abandonne. Oh Richard, oh my king, and world is all forsaking thee. Could man do other than rise to height of pity, of loyal valour? Could feather-headed young ensigns do other than, by white bourbon cockades handed them from fair fingers, by waving of swords drawn to pledge the Queen's health, by trampling of national cockades, by scaling the boxes whence intrusive murmurs may come, by vociferation, tripudiation, sound, fury and distraction, within doors and without, testify what tempest-tossed state of vacuity they are in, till champagne and tripudiation do their work, and all lie silent, horizontal, passively slumbering with mead of battle dreams. A natural repast, in ordinary times a harmless one, now fatal as that of Thyestes, as that of Job's sons when a strong wind smote the four corners of their banquet house. Poor, ill-advised Marie Antoinette, with a woman's vehemence, not with a sovereign's foresight. It was so natural, yet so unwise. Next day, in public speech of ceremony, Her Majesty declares herself delighted with the Thursday. The heart of the Oye de Boeuf glows into hope, into daring, which is premature. Rallied maids of honour, waited on by abbés, so white cockades, distribute them with words, with glances to epauletted youths, who in return may kiss, not without fervour, the fair sewing fingers. Captains of horse and foot go swashing with enormous white cockades. Nay, one Versailles national captain had mounted the like, so witching with the words and glances, and laid aside his tricolor. Well may Mere Lacointre shake his head with a look of severity and speak audible resentful words. But now a swashbuckler with enormous white cockade, overhearing the major, invites him insolently once and then again elsewhere to recant, and failing that, to duel which latter feat Major Laquantra declares that he will not perform, not at least by any known laws of fence, that he nevertheless will, according to mere law of nature, by dirk and blade, exterminate any vile gladiator who may insult him or the nation. Whereupon, for the Major is actually drawing his implement, they are parted, and no weasons slit. End of Book 7, Chapter 2